Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine. Good. Ready to go. Yes, lots happening today. Yes. And, Usually uh, we have a slow Monday, but it's right, not slow. And, uh, you know, uh, I thought maybe things were calming down. Uh, <laughs> nobody blew up the world yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, there's still a few hot spots. And, you know, there is... It almost looks like there's new ones. One settles down a little bit, another one pops up. But I don't think that's the case. I think there are hot spots that are smoldering, and all of a sudden somebody throws a few more logs on it and stimulates it. Because, look, I think we've been involved uh, when uh, we blamed uh, everything on 9-11 on Iraq. Of course, a few people in Afghanistan, they uh, had a little trouble figuring out what was going on. But uh, that was... Uh, that, that's well, we're going on 20 years, and yet there's still trouble there. We, you know, I think that's where we built the biggest, uh, biggest embassy ever. Yeah. And there's probably thousands of people in there, but it looks like chaos has come back there, and there's religious chaos there. Sardar is involved in it, and he he has a lot of followers in there, and uh, and sorting all that out, uh, it's going to be. Uh, religious and political power, or United States interests. Uh, we have to protect our interests. I mean, yeah. we, can, we just can't turn it over to the Iraqis. We, 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 have, to, we have to concede that, you, you know, we do have interests there. So uh, this, is, uh, this looks like it's sort of just in the last day or two just sort of exploded, and uh, a pal palace uh, uh, chaos, too, yeah. and, and uh, Capitol buildings. Yeah, so, yeah. I guess we'll be keeping an eye on Iraq and uh, along with the other spots going on. And we'll even mention a couple other yeah. spots before the program's over. Well, we don't often do breaking news here because we're not really equipped to deal with breaking news. But it is, in fact, it's just this last hour or so that we've noticed a lot happening. And let's start with that substitute first picture. Now, this is not an image that Washington, D.C. would like you to see. Reports of U.S. Embassy being evacuated as Baghdad's green zone is breached. This is from Zero Head. There you have the proverbial helicopter on top of a building uh, that we all remember from the fall of Saigon. Now, it can't be confirmed that this is accurate, that this is actually a U.S. government helicopter on the top of the U.S. Embassy. Nevertheless, there have been, there have been helicopters evacuating people. We saw a motorcade at high speed that they said was either U.N. or U.S. personnel out of the green zone. Um, let's do the next uh, clip. This is just a regular first clip. This is from Hedge, what we watched this morning. Uh, go back one, please. You can just do that first one. Reports of U.S. Embassy being evacuated as Baghdad's green zone breach. That goes along with this. Well, here's what, how it started, and this does remind you of what happened in Sri Lanka and elsewhere, Dr. Paul. If we do this next one. So the supporters of al-Sadr uh, have broken into the presidential palace they took a swim in the presidential pool, uh, and they are having a good time, but there's not a lot of other good time, because if you look at the next one, NBC News, the chaos is increasing. Iraq orders curfew as followers of Shia cleric Storm Palace after he retires. So a little bit of background, because we don't really want to get into the weeds too thickly, is that Sauter's political party, the political party oriented with him, did win the last parliamentary elections. How they were, however, they haven't been able to form a majority. Sauter kept arguing for new elections 
for new elections, and this has been months that they've been absolutely politically stalemated. Somehow, the tinderbox has exploded now as we speak, literally. Um, nobody knows what happens. I've seen video of the, of the border brigades now arming up and going into the green zone. This is Sauter's personal army uh, after he resigned from politics in protest this morning over this. So this is a breaking thing, but we can say one thing definitively is that after 20 years in Iraq, as you said before we started, just after 20 years in Afghanistan, the interventions have not worked. Yes, and uh, you know this, this. This is something that people have a hard time understanding how 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 bad this is. We start off by talking, uh, concentrating on Iraq, and we are because there's something special going on. But in a way, it has to be seen in the bigger picture too, because it's a reflection of the policy, the foreign policy. And I wouldn't. I, I don't think you. We can say. <coughs> that uh, this is the Biden foreign policy caused all these troubles. No. Because it's much bigger than that and it's pervasive and it has a lot of a lot of people behind the scenes like the deep state and the profiteers. It's all involved. And so uh, and we're we're scattered around the world and I think probably the uh, most significant thing coming from this is a reflection of maybe a crack, a major crack in the, the empire, uh, our foreign policy, our prestige around the world, and how long, uh, you know, the, the, the fake dollars that we can convince the people you need, if you don't need them, we're going to cancel you. All of a sudden, uh, that is up for grabs too. People talking about other currencies. So in the big picture, this is another step. But, but once again, it's one that, uh, you know, in the last week, we didn't read too many predictions. I think in general, uh, our viewpoint can predict problems to come. It's sort of like in economics, you can pro we can predict uh, that when you spend too much money in money, there has to be a correction. Well, this is the correction in foreign policy. Yeah, yeah. When you have a foreign policy driven by fake news and for, uh, you, you, you know, accumulating wealth and, and, and uh, spending and raising money for the military industrial complex, expect a correction. And sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, it's been smoldering over there now for more than 20 years. And, uh, and that to me, uh, if, if there's such a thing, but there's bubbles in economics, the longer you inflate, the worse the correction. The longer we inflate our military presence around the world, uh, the, the bigger the problem will be when there is a demand for a correction. And I don't think uh, it looks like we're strong. But you know what? The hawks in this country would say, Ron, you're right, you're right. But what is their answer? Yeah. You know, build up, more yeah. build up. We've allowed ourselves to be defenseless. And so, so they, would, they would agree. I've just postulated. Yeah, well, yeah, they yeah. Would, they would agree that, yeah, we are in trouble and we are looking weak. We are foreign policy. That means, and you've heard them. Yeah. And, and Republicans and Democrats are saying we need a much tougher uh, foreign policy. So that's such a great point that you make because this is exactly how it will go. This, well, Biden lost Afghanistan, then Biden lost Iraq, then Biden lost Libya. No, this is, a, as you say, a bipartisan foreign policy. And that's a, such a great line. A correction is coming. And this is the correction that we're seeing. And the correction is happening on the streets. And here's a couple of video clips out of uh, Iraq this morning that I didn't think that I would, uh, that I would see. 
uh, to be honest with you. There's some short ones, but this shows the violence. Live bullets in the street, live ammunition, fatalities, supposedly. Let's have a listen to this. How do we full screen that? Let's do, yeah, let's do that next one, too. And this is happening almost literally as we speak. Let's go ahead and full screen that. Here's, I mean, this is basically in your face to the government. They're, they're taking over. This is, this is what a real insurgency looks like, right? Not a guy with buffalo horns. And by the way, that NBC News clip that I put on earlier, that, that photo, and I forgot to mention it, that's also iconic because... Those are people standing up on the wall of the green zone, that NBC News one, breaking down that wall. Again, iconic images of walls being blown up, broken down, of helicopters evacuating U.S. Embassy personnel. I mean, you say history repeats itself. It appears that that's what's happening. You know, I'm going to go back a step. We're talking about who's, who gets the blame. Biden's going to get the blame or the Republicans going to get the blame. But... I think in, in many ways, all that blame back and forth by the establishment is just a lot of noise because basically they're all working together. And we, everybody knows without saying it's all Trump's fault. Yeah, and we course. need to put yeah. him in prison and never let him run for office again yeah. because they're terrified of him. That'll solve all our problems. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, here's the thing. This is why we wanted to lead with this because I was thinking earlier over the, over the weekend watching the news that, well, Libya's blowing up. We maybe should talk about that, and let's put on this next clip. Because there have been violent classes in Libya. I think the prime minister in Tripoli has, has left, has evacuated. If we can put up that next Al Jazeera. There we go. 32 killed in Libya's Tripoli as fears grow of a wider war. There are different factions. One is backed by the UN. One is backed by another group. And then the South, there are other groups that are running things. They're all clashing in Libya now. Violence in the street. In fact, if we can do those two more video clips just to get them out of the way, this should just give you a taste of what's now happening in Libya. I mean, Dr. Paul, it may look like Chicago, but it's actually Libya, right? Yeah. Well, let's do that. Let's do the next one too. Let's do that next one too, and just get them out of the way because this is uh, this is what's happening here in Libya over the weekend. There, I think there's another, here we go, yeah, let's. Yeah, we can take that down. This is a show with the- Great for the bullet industry. Yeah, for the bullet industry. Uh, but, but, you know, the underlining, we can actually cut that off. I think we, there's a the sound is still on. I think, you know, obviously the conclusion and our conclusion is this is U.S. interventionism laid bare. Everything they claimed it would do all of these years, the war on terror, everything, we're going to democratize the Middle East. We're going to make Libya model democracy. It's done nothing but promote death, chaos, misery, destruction. Well, I, I, have, a, I have a solution for this. Making use of... Uh, good people who have had some experience with uh, Libya, say. Because I remember 
when uh, see Eisenhower was president for eight uh, years, and then that would be Kennedy, and Kennedy was having an international problem going on. Maybe it was Cuba or whatnot, and it was serious. But uh, the president gets on the air, and it was a reassurance type of thing. And actually, I didn't find it offensive back mm -hmm. back then. I was I wasn't looking in between lines, but it was the fact that uh, he. Uh, he, he had a little meeting today uh, and explained the situation to uh, former President Eisenhower and, you know, a general, and he had been president. All, and I thought, well, you know, that, that sounds like a reasonable thing to do. But do you think that's going to happen now? Or do, are they going to call up Hillary on, on <laughs> Libya? Yeah. <laughs> and say, hey, Hillary, how do you handle this thing? Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do with the weapons? I almost put that clip up of her saying, we came, we saw he died. She was so thrilled. And giggled. Yeah, she, she thought it was so funny. That Gaddafi, now Gaddafi for all of his faults, and there, I'm sure there were plenty like every leader around the world, uh, but we didn't have this going on before we decided to democratize the country. Just like with Saddam, yes, not the kind of guy you may want to live next door to you, right? <laughs> right? But nevertheless, you didn't have 20 years of misery and a million dead people. So we're going to keep an eye on this, Dr. Paul, and see what happens. Right. The way things are going, uh, you know, I mean, here's, I wrote myself a little note while we were, before we started. I mean, here, my prediction, I'm not a predictor, but I think when the smoke clears over after what's happening in Iraq this morning, we're going to see that Iran has come out on top. And I don't like the zero-sum game of Iran wins or whatever, but Iran affiliated forces, as probably is natural to a degree, will come out on top unless the U.S. decides to start bombing Iraq again. And if that happens, if Biden opens that can of worms, I can't imagine that happening. But then all bets are off. Well, the Republicans have made a lot of mistakes with Iran. But also, Biden has made things much worse. He has driven, you know, the, uh, the Russians and the Chinese together. Yeah. And they're our two arch enemies, you know. We, yeah. we have to be prepared to fight both of them at once. But Iran is still around there. And, and I guess uh, we know who they'll align themselves with. And uh, that's, uh, that's a big, big deal there. And, uh, and yet we continue to do it. And, and I, I just wonder what goes through their minds when they do these policies. Uh, not that I think uh, Biden is uh, lying awake at night wondering about it. I, but, <laughs> but his, his advisors, uh, he, he has to have people telling him what the policies ought to be yeah. doing. And then you say, why are they doing it? And, of course, there's all kinds of justification. Answering the why is difficult, but because uh, may, maybe it is a, a conspiracy on their part to set the stage uh, because some of them may, they may even have Marxist, uh, secret Marxist yeah. feelings and beliefs that what they want to see the chaos, and they're doing a pretty good job on that. Yeah, or there's a little bit of that, I think, and a little bit of them just being dumb <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or evil and dumb, maybe. Well, that's well, a bad combination. Let's move away from foreign policy. Well, in a way, away from foreign policy, because this next clip, our good friend Jonathan Turley, I think, did a good job summarizing this other news over the weekend. Zuckerberg, who, of course, as we know, is the founder and CEO of Facebook, Zuckerberg reveals that the FBI told his company to be wary of, quote, Russian disinformation. And this is amazing because it was right at the time, Dr. Paul, that Hunter Biden's laptop, which we now know is true, uh, is in fact accurately his laptop was coming out. The FBI gets in, you know, he went on Rogan, Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan's show over the weekend and revealed this. Let's put on that next clip. This is from uh, Turley's article about it. And I think, frankly, it's astonishing. Zuckerberg stated on the Joe Rogan experience that, quote, the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, 
just so you know, like you should be on high alert. We thought there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of a dump that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Just before the news of the laptop came out, the FBI comes and said, something big's going to happen, but wink, wink, it's Russian disinformation. And then there's little bits in there showing that... Uh uh, Zuckerberg's coming across a, as a more reasonable person, you know, and, and, and negotiating. And but, you know, when I was reading this little story, the thought that crossed my mind was that um, uh, the, the Zuckerbergs of the world and all the business people, and they work together, and, they, and we've talked about the special economic uh, benefits from them. But it, it, to me, it was like uh, when the FBI comes, to me, it's almost, I, I thought, uh, are they the spokesman for the mob? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because you want protection. And that's what our government has turned into. And uh, there hasn't been too many years ago, probably undeserved. The FBI did, you know, they, there was a little bit more respect from it. But I don't know how it could ever be very respectful uh, if uh, people know how uh, J. Hoover ran it. Yeah. He initiated it. He created it. And matter of fact, he'd be aghast at how far advanced it yeah, got yeah. on be, becoming the mob police. You know, that's a great two points. The first of all is the partnership between the social media and the government. But the second of all, in a way, I mean, although, yes, Zuckerberg caved to this, and he did admit, yeah, we did. We didn't nuke it like Twitter did, but we kind of used our algorithms to push it down so nobody saw it. But at the same time, in his defense, you're sitting there, you've got your, your team, your company sitting there. The FBI comes in and says, hey, there's some Russian propaganda that's about to be dropped. Wink, wink. You don't want to let that go out. So what is they going to his, he's going to go up against the FBI with this company, like you said. And they didn't even announce the problem. They yeah. never talked about buying or anything yeah, else. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, we have to look for something positive. But more and more people, you know, are, are, are waking up to this. And, and, and I think that is good. But, you know, the, but it tells you where we are with the, uh, with the FBI on uh, the searching of uh, Donald Trump's household, yeah. you know, his home. And uh, that, that, to me, is, is really over the top. And then they go through the legal process. Oh, well, we can, we can get to see that. You know, uh, some days I think, why, why should uh, Trump pretend that they will treat him in a half, not a half decent, a 10% decent fashion. Yeah. Because that, that doesn't happen. They just, they go and, and do whatever they want. So, but he does, he goes through the process and the information and they argue about what you can release and what you can't release and all those details. And it's, it's like, it's either uh, our way and Trump is guilty and it's the end of the world if we don't find him, find him guilty. Yeah. And they, so, but then, then he wins, a, he, he wins on, we want to get this information out. We want to read this. Why did you do this? What authority do you have to search my house and uh, go through my wife's clothing? Yeah, and this sort of thing. So what, what, do, what do they do? They, uh, they, they go in and uh, uh, they, they, they march in. Uh, they do what they have to do. And uh, it, it's, it was just horrible. So he gets it. 
we get to see the papers. We're going to find out exactly what they justified it. And if there's anything more annoying to me, but they do a good job on yeah. the, some of the conservative stations, they put, here they are, here are the papers. And you can't find any typed words. Everything is struck out. Yeah. I wonder what percent has been redacted. It looks to me like about 90% yeah. of it. What a, what a joke. <laughs> you, you would think just, uh, you know, mocking them yeah. as this is, a, is part of, a, of, of, of justice after the, you've had the FBI agents already uh, confess to the dirty tricks that they play and how they get their, uh, how they get their search warrants. And uh, it, is, it is a strong breakdown of law and order back to the mob psychology. Yeah, it's, it's corruption plain and simple. The problem is the Republican reaction. I think a lot of it's going to be, well, just as soon as we get in power, we're going to use that for our own ends. You know, <laughs> instead of we need to wipe out the power, throw the ring into the fire. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's no biggie. The FBI is just doing its job. It's alerting some of these companies uh, that might be something coming down. Well, this next clip, and this is written by Paul Sperry uh, w for the Epoch Times. Um, this is why it's a big deal, Dr. Paul. This came out over the weekend. Eight in ten Americans think that Hunter Biden laptop cover-up changed the election outcome, poll finds. So they did a poll. They found 79% of Americans believe that hiding the truth about that laptop changed the elections by calling it Russian disinformation, as all those 20 or 30 former intelligence officials assured us, and they lied, they flat-out lied, but if they had known what it was, it could have changed the outcome. So if you want to talk about election interference, about throwing elections, about cheating, about fake elections, this is the epitome of a fake election, and it falls right in the lap of the FBI and the deep state. But the news is shifting. If you just look at the news and the mainstream media, Actually, there's a sentiment out there, <clears throat> and I'm sure it introduces a, a sense of loss of confidence for the Republicans who thought, oh, this is, this is a cakewalk, you know. But, but the news is starting to show that even with all this stuff, uh, but that poll actually reveal, revealed what, what really is going on. So, uh, but it's a, uh, if, if, if that is true, which probably most of it is, if the Republicans can't use it, if, if they can't use, uh, you know, this, the riots of the Black Lives Matter, uh, you, you know, how much killing was going on, how many windows were broken, how many people were released. Do you know that uh, Dukakis lost a whole election over one yeah. criminal being left out early? And I always thought, you know, they, <clears throat> maybe they made a mistake in granting leniency on this one person. Yeah. But the Republicans used that to the hilt, and that that made all the, that made him soft on crime. But what? I mean, people don't want to be soft on crime. They're begging not to be soft on crime. Yeah. And yet, this poll showed the Democratic poll showed all oh, the people are shifting. They can't. They could never put up with Trump. Anybody but Trump. So, well, maybe uh, Biden has a brother. Maybe he has a son that could run. Who, oh yeah, who that'd be great. Uh, it would be great. <laughs> Banana Republic City. Well, uh, McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, hates Trump more than he loves winning the Senate, I think. Oh, you know, that's, so that's going to be a problem. Maybe, Our, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's ready to retire. Oh, well, let's hope so. Uh, the next story is a little one that we want to point out, and our friends over at the Libertarian Institute wrote this, and this is via Zero Hedge. Uh, but this is about our trade with Russia since the invasion. America has imported over $6 billion in goods from Russia 
since the Ukraine invasion, Dr. Paul. Six billion imported from Russia. You know, that, that involves some oil, which is ironic, but, <laughs> uh, this, but it's a lot of other products that we bought from them. You know, see, trade is good, <laughs> even in the midst of chaos when we're trying to figure out how we're going to bomb them. But uh, the trade, trade is, is good. But they, people uh, don't, uh, maybe they do recall that the statistic a month ago was how much profit <laughs> the Russians made just in selling oil, not to Americans, but around the world. So <clears throat> they've, been, they've compensated rather well on getting their oil out. Who knows how the best way? Probably through China. Maybe the Iranians would like to help them out. Maybe the Indians would help them out. But anyway, <clears throat> the oil has gotten out, and they've made a lot of profits uh, on selling of oil in the midst of all this. Yeah, it is amazing. And, and you, were, you were kind of joking before the show when we were talking in your <laughs> office that, you know, the Russians must really have a top-notch spy in the U.S. <laughs> government because everything that they do is just kind of going their way. We put on sanctions. They start making more money, and you know, the Europeans are in a heck of a bind. I mean, they are in panic mode because they thought they could go green overnight and stick it to the Russians, and now they're desperately, they're actually meeting in the Czech Republic, I think, in, the, in a little bit to talk about what are we going to do this winter because we don't have any gas. <laughs> uh, so their idea is they're going to give subsidies to people to pay for their higher energy bills, which is also hilarious because those subsidies are going to go directly to Putin, right, to pay the <coughs> higher prices. They say traditionally, and this is probably true, that Germany and, and Russia have always been, been at odds. And then after the Cold War ended, they you know, had pipelines being built and they were getting along a little bit better. But some people you know, want to put that knife in there again, and it has to do with the big pipeline. And so what the Europeans are starting to wake up is what they're doing is stupid, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why should they listen to our foreign policy experts, and uh, we claim it's all for national security, our national security. Uh, and then, uh, why are we doing so poorly then? You, you know, if it's for our national security, and yet they they do this, and the, the, they, I, I think people would like to see or try to prevent. And of course, when they interfere with the pipeline, that means uh, the Europeans aren't going to be as dependent. But I think what they're saying is, why are we doing this? Yeah. We, we, did you see the picture the other day? Uh, I think it was in Poland that the people were lined up by the thousands to get a bucket of coal yeah, to, he to help keep warm and away. And this is this is modern day advancement, you know. <laughs> oh, jeez. And it's all it's all preventable. It's hard to treat once you get the cancer yeah. uh, and it's spread, but it's so easy to prevent. And it's prevented by just a different attitude in foreign policy and economic policy where the masses of people, the majority, do better. You know, there's a lot more prosperity and certainly a lot more peace, and yet we still do that. And then they say, oh, we can't go to back to free markets. That's a big job. Yeah, well, uh, it's a lot better than pursuing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what's worse. But the, big, the most important message that we never seem to learn is how how do you prevent it? You know, how do we do it? Like Vietnam was supposed to teach us a lesson. Oh, the useless killing and the money and all that's going on. But we better take a different attitude. We did for about six months. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we knew that even that six months, they were just planning their next strategy. 
Yeah, we, we mentioned it. We, we didn't talk about it today, but we mentioned it before the show. I mean, maybe when the smoke clears on this one, it's going to turn out. Maybe in 50 years, it'll turn out that this whole Russia-Ukraine war was basically just a U.S. covert op to prevent <laughs> the Nord Stream 2 from opening. Because oh, remember, we were on the verge of that opening. And the last thing the U.S. wants is to see Germany and Russia get along, because that means the U.S. is irrelevant in Europe. Can't do that. That might m cause us to close some bases. So... I wouldn't be surprised. It would be the conspiracy theory of all conspiracy theories. But that would undermine NATO. Do you want to undermine NATO? No, only bad people do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might be censored. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm going to close. <coughs> Excuse me, my Monday reminder. We are in the home stretch. Put up the last clip, the last uh, paper uh, uh, picture, please. Anatomy of a police state. Everything is set in stone. We are printing the programs today. It's going to be a great event. I think we have nine speakers, Dr. Paul. Boom, boom, boom. September 3rd, 2022, Weston, Washington, Dulles Airport. There are tickets left. Get them. Join us. Lots of great speakers. It's going to be a great event. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm starting my drive tomorrow. I'll be here with you, but then I'm going to be on the road driving to D.C. Keep your cell phone on. I might have a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Uh, Roger. Well, well, you know, um, we have... Uh, we, we know that uh, uh, America's in, uh, I, you know, imported six, six billion dollars from Russia under these conditions. How much, I wonder, have, I wonder if under the same years, uh, we're not antagonistic quite as much as with Russia right now. But boy, there's a lot of people who just have to, you know, uh, stomp on China and uh, interrupt the trade. The, the, the saving grace is trade. That was that was the whole principle. If some people say, well, well, some people benefit at the expense of others, which is a bunch of malarkey. It was a false economic premise that, that both sides, both countries, both people, both uh, everybody benefits, uh, not just the person who sold, sold, sold something. So they said that, well, uh, we we uh, can't do that. But that is what exactly what we need to trade, even in the midst of this. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm like, let's see our time. I tell a real short story. When I was in the military, I was, uh, we were traveling as a flight surgeon, and I was in um, Pakistan, and we went up to the Khyber Pass, and Afghanistan was across the border, and the Afghans were uh, not on our side, <laughs> not at that time. Later on, we were on their side when the Russians were in there. But anyway, we went up to that, and it was a border, and the Khyber Pass is, you know, a lot of history in there, and uh, I, I learned a lot on that trip just just looking at that but uh, the the uh, the whole thing is is uh, the reason we drove up there uh, we, because we were at Peshawar and it was an hour drive in a old rickety truck but the locals were taking us and all the military people who knew the inside track so we piled in that truck and we drove up these mountain trails and and had a lot of talk about British history and all so we we get up there and then they say, well, we're going shopping. And this is just mountainous region. I said, where are you going shopping? And they said, oh, there's a cave up here. And it's a cave that ties east with west. The Russians over there, the uh, Americans over here, and where they all go into the cave, and it's like, like a, a, a big uh, uh, store, you know, and the Russians wanted something American, Americans wanted some of that. So there was all this trade and activity, and, all, and this was in, under this mountain. And all I could think about, you know, above us, they're shooting at each other. 
the insanity of it. The trade trade goes on, you know, and it, it does serve a purpose. But I wish they would do the more trading and be more honest about it to prevent the stupid wars that we get involved in. So much for a story. <laughs> Great story. Fantastic story. Well, we're all done, I think. All right, very good. I want to thank our viewers for tuning in today. Uh, and hopefully we see a lot of you at the conference. But uh, it will be a good time to talk about the police state. And uh, just to make sure you know where we're coming from, we do not like the police state. And the police state is a result of all these bad things that we allow our government to do, and then they become a policeman. And unfortunately, a lot of people think, oh, they're the police, they're the government, and they'll take care of us and they'll protect us. That's not true. So uh, we're not going to be depending, defending the police state in any way whatsoever. So please uh, come to our conference if you can. But I want to thank you very much today for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.